Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right, welcome back to episode 43, number 43 of Move the District. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Yassen, and we have a great show for you today. Uh, If you uh, are listening for the first time or if you are a regular listener and you have not already, please hit the subscribe button. Please subscribe. We appreciate it. And while you're at it, throw us a five-star review. That's, you know, just a little something for us. We'd appreciate it. Uh, today, our guest, we have a very special guest. She's a wellness professional and she's the founder and CEO of Spark by Gabby. Please welcome none other, Gabby Lubin. Thanks for coming on the show. Yes, thank you for having me, Mike. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm, I'm excited. I feel like you've uh, taken quite the interesting uh, path, over the path over the past year. And I'm excited to kind of dive into your story and kind of the like unique twists that you've, uh, you've taken. Yeah. Thank you. I I really do feel like over the last year, everything's just kind of come, um, into full view. Um, so I'm excited to share a little bit more about what's been brewing in my mind. (laughs) I I always think about that. Um, you probably seen that commercial where it's like, uh, when life gives you lemons and it's just like, it's literally raining lemons and you're like, and it's like, well, life gives you lemons. And like, they're like, it's the bride crying at her wedding. And I'm just like, that's, that's it. That's like the last year is like, basically, you know, it, cause I feel like there's always like this pressure to like do something. And I feel like some people just like were, you know, some people definitely took advantage of it and some people, maybe they didn't take advantage of it, which, which is okay too. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, both, both, both things are, are okay. I think the important thing is that people were able to survive the past year. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I think number one was definitely survival and, and where I founded my business in the last year was actually first from that space of survival tactics, that fight or flight space. Um, and then it was just like, can you catch the lemon? Do you see the lemon? Where is the lemon? Is it over there? Is it here? Um, so I love that analogy of, or I, the commercial of all the lemons falling because it does it does feel accurate. And um, I just, I feel incredibly privileged to be here because I know not everyone has been able to make that growth in the last year. There's been a lot of, a lot of stuff going on, we'll say. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think you're always going to be continuing to chase the lemon. I think that's what I've learned from almost three and a half years is that you're always chasing the lemon or, or maybe a better analogy is always trying to like put a bandaid over the leak in the dam mm. and just, and just running around. So yeah, that's, that's the, the joys of uh, owning a small business. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. I, I, I like, 
I'm interested in you saying like the band-aid versus finding the lemon because I do feel like most of my life I was finding the band-aids finding like the fixes finding the ways that I could like just sustain and that's like that's me as a life of an educator a former educator that's unfortunately what education is like um and so it's been incredibly thrilling to move into that other space of finding the lemons there you go finding the lemons <laughs> Love it. All right. So let's, let's delve into your story here a little bit. Let's talk about how yeah. you got your start in the fitness world. Were you always an athlete growing up? Did you, were you someone who was active? Did you find fitness later? Yeah. So I was an active person my whole life. My parents put me into every single sport growing up and honestly did not like most sports except for basketball. And once I had a basketball in my hand, picked it up and wouldn't put it down. Um, and so I really grew up on just playing as often as possible. And it was a big part of my high school experience. So it was kind of my high school identity. Um, and then moving into college, I didn't play, which was strange. I went to a D3 school, so I could have had the opportunity, but I decided to kind of like shift and just focus on other spaces. Um, and so I, I don't know if you have any New England listeners or if you are a New Englander. I'm but from New York originally, so it's it's not quite New England, but close enough. Okay, well they they had a, a saying up in New England. I went to Bowdoin College. Um, I was a NARP, a non-athletic regular person. Yes. So that was kind of my identity in college. Um, not sure that I'm proud of it because I feel like I've transitioned out of it and was never really that way before. But I I, I didn't really have a calling in college, um, and so didn't find myself with a successful wellness routine in those four years and didn't feel a ton of stress, but was stressed out, was kind of managing in other ways. Um, and right after college, I moved to DC to work for uh, KIPP schools. And so I was a teacher in training for the first year, did not have a wellness routine. And the second year I was a lead teacher in a classroom. And that year just like rocked my soul, rocked <laughs> every part of me and asked me to like show up for battle every single day. Um, and it, it took a toll on, on who I was and, and how many years I felt I was old. Uh, you know, only almost 29 now. I definitely feel older than that. <laughs> Thank you, teaching. Um, and so when I finally felt myself like out of just like swimming for a little bit of air, I, in that third year, started to find fitness a little bit. And so there was a studio opening up nearby and one of our peer, uh, sorry, our peer teachers. So one of my coworkers brought me to the studio um, and it was a spin class. What was the, and what was the studio? Cycle bar. So cycle where bar. I ended up teaching. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so in Noma and it was, they're like very, one of their first classes, it was like their free classes still before they fully opened. Yeah. And uh, I hated the instructor, like actually hated the instructor. She's not there any longer. And I won't say who it is, but okay. <laughs> it was like country music. And it just like, Ooh. was it my jam? No, but teach their own teach their own. Yes. Um, but you will not hear country music in my classes. Um, <laughs> but I was just so enthralled by the, the energy in the room and the fact that you were like dancing on a bike and feeling like an athlete, but didn't have to prove yourself to anyone. There was nothing that you were showing up to except for you. And so I kept going back. I kept going back. Um, and then while I was still teaching kids, I auditioned six months later and Six months later, and that was it. Six months later, yeah, and the, kind of the rest is history. I feel. 
Wow. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like that is, I feel like it's a common thing where you, you kind of like, you show up to that first class, not really expecting anything. And then it's just like, it hits you. And like, you didn't even like the music, but it's still that energy hit you. And it's, it's funny, you know, going back to what you said about NARF. I remember when I finished playing baseball, I went to University of Scranton and uh, they, you know, like, I remember like the day after my season ended, my senior year, it was like, oh, well, we're NARFs now. And <laughs> And, and yeah, I mean, because and, and there's like this feeling I remember searching after I finished playing baseball because there's such a focus on being a baseball player and like you're training mm -hmm. for baseball, you're training for the season, you're training to, you know, try to make it to NCAA tournament, whatever it was. And then it was like, now what? Mm -hmm. Where do you go? Right. And, and, and that was, that was weird really for the first couple of years after, um, after I was done playing baseball where you're just kind of like, what do I want to do? Like, and, and like, yeah. you're trying to find your, your goal. I like thought maybe I was going to like become like a competitive golfer for a little bit. And like, I was like, I'm trying to be a <laughs> golfer. And then it's like, well, maybe I'll just, you know, I'll just try and be a bodybuilder. I, you know, it's just like, you know, what, you know, certain things you, you, you try and do. And then you just kind of got to like fall in love with actually working out versus just like working out for something externally. Exactly. Yeah. It's kind of an identity crisis that, that, that athletes go through and some people transition really quickly and smoothly and find that, that second thing. But, you know, other than playing basketball, like pick up basketball with um, other non-athletic people, which is what I did a little bit in college, there just wasn't anything that was calling to me. Um, and it's hard I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to see yourself as an athlete in another way and like reimagine what that identity looks like, especially since you've grown up with it your, your whole life. Yeah. Um, so it, it just felt natural and it's exciting when you find that all of a sudden, if you like really are that athlete, if that, if that's a huge part of your life. And it sounds like it was both for me and for you growing up when you like refine that love in yourself, you can't think about anything else. When did it hit you again? Like, when was the second wave? Like, what were you, was it in class? Um, when you were like, I'm, I'm an athlete yeah, again. I think, well, I don't know that it really transitioned until I was full-time in fitness or like making that decision for myself to be full-time fitness. And, you know, the reason why I really transitioned to that space overall was because as I was living what I felt like this double life of teaching children and then teaching adults, I was like, I love this like light bulb that clicks on in, in the kids. It's so fantastic. It's lovely to see that. I even love more when I see it in adults in a room full of like energy and movement and excitement. And there, it's strange because a lot of people think teaching adults and, and children are completely different but it's exactly the same. And it was the only reason why I was able to be good at my job because I didn't get coaching really. I didn't get that much training. I was like thrown into the mix of it and it was sink or swim. And I just swam and I just ran for it. And I said, Hey, I love this. I know how to talk to a room of people and like encourage them positively. Let me take the skills that I already know and just run wild with it. What were those skills you think that transferred so well between kids and adults? Yeah. Um, Honestly, 
in any teacher who's listening will understand this, but like positive reinforcement. Um, it like, it sounds crazy. Absolutely. You, you, yeah, Absolutely. you might know as like someone who's just talking to someone one-on-one, but if you're talking and telling them things that they're doing wrong, they're going to get angry and frustrated and kind of go into this spiral of negative, um, like cycles, it, right? It doesn't matter. You could have the best workout program in the world, yeah. best rehab program in the world, but if people think you're an asshole, like yeah. it doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. Well, There's, oh, go ahead. Sorry. It's about how you make them feel, I think, too. Not even mm-hmm. just their perception of you. Because there's always going to be kids and adults who don't like you. Mm-hmm. And I've had to work through that. Like, that's yes. something that we all have to work through as human beings. And mm-hmm. it's not letting those people stand out for you. Because I had my fair share of bad reviews. And that that cut deep. I also had parents up my ass about things. Like, that's normal. It's just the way that life works and people care, right? Can't please so, everybody. Yeah, you you can't please everyone, but it's it's trying to support those people that like don't feel it and see it in themselves initially, and then just like transforming their mindsets. And that's just I think that's been one of the most rewarding parts of what I do now, mm-hmm. and why I like doing it with adults more now than children. There you go. Yeah, I, I love the book uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know if you've ever read it or not, um, but it's 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 such a fantastic book about just how to like appeal to the people, you know, basically. And, and, you know, a lot of people want to just be, they want to be seen and they want to be heard and they want to be treated well. And, and if you do that, well, guess what? They're probably going to like you. Yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 seen, it's like a simple formula. You know, I don't know why we don't take this, like, we don't think about it more often, but like, that's, that's what it comes down to. It's like people, you know, if you take it a vested interest, if you want people to be interested in you, you need to take an interest in them. Yeah. Yeah, it's just about relationships. That's what I've I've really come down to um, with so many parts of our world. And often we forget that, not yes. just in in like life or in business, but we just forget that people are people and they want to feel supported. And when you make them feel supported, like that means the world to them, the world. Exactly. exactly. So now you become an instructor at Cycle Bar you're in the fitness world, you're still teaching, then what happened? Yeah, there was um, this realization that what I was feeling was unsustainable, that thinking about going to my 6 p.m. class after teaching kids was much more exciting than actually teaching kids for 9, 10, whatever. I couldn't calculate how many hours a day because it scared me too much, honestly. (laughs) The number scared me. I don't like thinking about it. Um, And so like having that feeling of like working for your side hustle, I, there was like this, this switch that flipped in my mind where I thought, hey, what if I tried this just for a year? I have like enough saved. I have enough time. I think I have enough traction. Let's see if I can do, can do this just for the year. And then my fail safe will be grad school. I know I want to go to grad school, but I need a little bit of time to think and to be my own human and kind of like live my life for a little bit the way I want to live it saying yes in the ways that I want to, so that I can actually go and like do the things I want to in grad school. So I made that choice in December, which was rather early for um, still having six months of teaching left. <laughs> that was like my <laughs> mental choice. Um, to teachers out there, don't make that choice so early because it's actually terrifying when you got to show up for six more months <laughs> in you that check, way. Yeah, checking out checking <laughs> out six months left in the school year is probably not the yeah. best the way to go about that. And, and no, it like wasn't fully checked out. You know, no, I was able I to actually like see the, see 
you had a goal though. Positives. You had a yes. goal in sight. But that's the thing. I think whenever like yeah. you get like, cause that's the thing like when you get into a job, there's no end. It's just, this is your job yeah. forever. But to have that like milestone where you're, cause it, it's like when you were in school, right. And like, you want yeah. to get to the end of 10th grade and 11th grade and 12th grade. And like, there was like that milestone in sight that I think made it more achievable, I guess. Yeah, it was energizing. And the, the easier part, I think, was the fact that I did not expect this one year to be more than a year. <laughs> still going. Just, it's still, it's definitely going. It's, th- it's going. going. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, I, I stopped teaching at the end of the school year, finished the school year and got a job with uh, Sweat DC up in um, Parkview with Parkview, Coach G. Yep. Shout yeah. out Sweat DC. Yes. Thank you, Sweat. And, I, you know, they really, really, really embraced me and my lack of knowledge at the time and taught me and mentored me and supported me. And, you know, by December, I was already working on my first program, which was really the basis of what I'm doing now. And it was a program for six weeks for just educators to have fitness and community together. And so we started that in, in January and it was essentially like an entrepreneurial endeavor where I was able to recruit the different people, create the programming, deliver the programming, support everyone, and just kind of like see where it went. And it was it was exciting. It was tough work. I'm not going to lie. Recruiting teachers to do things is so hard. And it was easier, like in January, it was easier to get an, a, a decent number of people. Cause I think, you know, January is a time when everyone recommits to things. So yes. we, <laughs> we use that as, as a little piece of leverage, but um, yeah, it was kind of my, my start to, to reconsider what I really wanted in life and like, what was my purpose and my niche. And I found that this space of wellness and feeling well was something that was really important to me and I couldn't lose anymore. And if I wanted to go back into education and in that space, if I wanted to make an impact there, I had to actually do it in a, in a way that helped support the people do their job best. And so, you know, initially when I was applying to grad school, I was considering, okay, well, do I want to support students in figuring out Um, what needs they have. So like special education students, what kind of needs do you have? No, I can't do that work unless the teachers who are supporting those students are well themselves because they're not going to do their best work if they can't show up to it. So I re-envisioned kind of what my main purpose was and started going head head first, we'll say in the first few months of 2020. So this is already, this is already on your radar. Yeah. And so you, you said you, you were like, all right, I'm done at the end of school. You're teaching kids, yeah. but then you're like, I'm just getting started with adults more or less. You know, I just wasn't sure though. I wasn't sure as soon you knew as you I want st- to be a part of something, you just didn't know what it physically looked like. Yeah. And I kind of had this idea in my mind that you needed a master's degree. You needed experience. You needed to work with the best of the best and you needed X, Y, and Z in order to be an accomplished business owner of yourself. Surprise, you don't. (laughs) You don't. And it was really invigorating when I realized that. And it was, I think it was only because of the world stopping that I was able to notice the growth that I had in myself mm-hmm. and the resources that I'd already kind of developed and, and been a part of. Um, 
It was so, exciting. So a year a year ago, mm-hmm. the world ends. And the sw- end the world transforms. Uh, the world. <laughs> all right, all right. So so sorry. We're we're no longer BC anymore. Now we're we're present day COVID now. We're yeah, we're, we're present COVID PC. And uh, and now everything shuts down. What what are you thinking? You know, you're you're still in the middle of the school year. Uh, gyms are closed. What are you where where's your head at? So I last year, March 2020, I was full-time fitness. So I was not teaching. Oh, you were done with school. Oh, because you were you yes. would finish up the previous year. There are so many different timelines. So yes, you're Sorry. welcome. I confused you completely. I jumped, I jumped <laughs> over I jumped over 2019. My apologies. No, it's fine. Yeah. So I ended teaching June 2019 okay. and was full-time fitness and was planning on doing that until I went to graduate school, which was September 2020. 2020. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And so I'm in graduate school, March 2020, (laughs) and I also am a gig worker. I overnight, well, Mm -hmm. I guess, walk into Cycle Bar. I remember my 7 a.m. Monday class. I walk in and I say to myself, this is my last class. I am no longer, this is uh, March 20, March 16th. Yep. I say to myself, I'm no longer capable of doing this anymore. I'm going to give it hell this class. I'm going to enjoy every single moment of it. We did a quick meditation at the end. And then I told everyone, I was like, all right, I'm done. You, you guys won't see me anymore. I'm going to like, let everyone know. And people come up to me saying, oh my God, is the studio closed? Like what's going on? I don't understand. Um, and you know, later that day, both cycle bar closes and sweat DC closes. So as the whole world, at least in DC, shuts down that day, which apparently was a little bit later than everyone else. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I remember I was in Florida that weekend. Oh. Florida that weekend visiting Megan's parents. And I remember we flew back Monday. And mm. I remember going to Reagan Airport that day. And it was like the movie I Am Legend. That's what mm. it was like. It was like post-apocalyptic. We were the only people there. And I was like, okay, this is this is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so, so the studio shut down. You're like, I'm done. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny. I'm a, I'm not funny. This is just my personality. I'm an incredibly driven person. I, when I see opportunity or see things that like excite me, I am going to do it immediately. I'm not going to wait for people to like tell me yes or no necessarily, except for apparently starting my own business. That was the only thing I was waiting for people to say, like, you're good, you're ready. Um, So it's it's March 16th, I get home from the 7am class and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like, what do I do now? Oh, people are stressed, people are at home, I'm stressed. I have technology. I've worked with some of my coworkers before on Zoom, pretty sure I can do a Zoom class. I made something on Canva, put it all together, all Canva. the details, the Zoom link. Canva. Canva is my favorite. My life is on Canva. I'm, <laughs> I'm slowly learning how to use Canva. For the longest time, I just was like, I just don't get Canva. I just don't get it. And now I'm slowly adapting and understanding. Or I'll just have someone else to do it for me on Canva. <laughs> and they do so good. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. It's and perfection. Exactly. I feel like I'm one of like one of the, like the first graders with like their finger, like their uh, like finger painting. That's how I feel like sometimes. But Canva is amazing without a doubt. It is. It is. But yeah, so that, I mean, that night I put it together and we hosted class at 6 p.m. Monday. And so then I thought about it and I said, hey, we're still stressed. We're still home. Let's do it tomorrow. Did it Tuesday. We're still stressed. We're still home. 
okay, we're doing it Wednesday. Um, and all this is like through Venmo, you know, the whole grassroots kind of movement. We have like 40, 50 people on Zoom. It was just wow energizing and you know I lived in a house with my sister and a roommate and then we had my boyfriend that was there and my sister's boyfriend that was there and so there's you know five of us in the house working out and it's just energizing and crazy and you know we have laundry detergent people have books they got crock pots so resourceful had to get resourceful right it was so what was the what was the most interesting thing you saw someone use during a workout um I don't know. I think my favorite was the crock pot. I've never thought about, yeah, it's a heavy thing too. So Uh it was impressive. Um, My boyfriend one time when we were traveling, he used a vacuum. That was exciting as well. (laughs) And awkward, I would imagine, but yes, yes. It didn't quite work, but um, it was a weight. It is heavy. (laughs) I had had one patient who was doing like shoulder presses with this like statue. I was like, oh, that's an interesting statue. And he's like, oh yeah, it's an old family heirloom. And I was like, maybe you shouldn't use that. He's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. I'm like, how heavy is it? About 25 pounds. I was like, I was like, maybe you shouldn't use that. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, But yeah, but yeah, I mean, everyone gets resourceful. And, and so at what point did it turn into, this is a business. This isn't just, you know, us getting together for a, for a workout, but like, I'm, I'm, I'm running, I'm going to turn this into something real. I mean, the thing about being at home all day and not really being at that point, we were not leaving our house very often. Um, I just, I sat there thinking all day. And so the more that I thought that week, the more that I realized that there was a little bit of an opportunity. And I think at first it really felt like a temporary opportunity. So I could go as big as I wanted because I would still have an out. There was grad school on the other end. And if it didn't work out, I would at least learn something to be able to bring to, you know, my next experience. Um, and I think it, it was probably like that, that the bigger turning point was, I think in late May, early June when my graduate program told us that we were completely virtual. And so all of a sudden it was like, oh, like I'm still gonna be doing essentially the same things right now. Why don't I really just lean into it? People love this, people love being here. Let's keep going. Um, The thing that I didn't know at that time was that I wanted to serve a different market, not just the oversaturated market of any millennial individual that exists out there, which is great. And that is where I'm pretty much at right now. Mm -hmm. Um, But I saw, I started to see an opportunity with my own story of burnout and the people that I knew. Well, that's what I I see on your, on your website and Instagram, you know, it's a lot more than just a workout. You know, there's a lot more focus on mindfulness that I think the average hit class doesn't focus on, which I love. And I think it's something I've, I've, I've learned, you know, really in the last, I say two to three years, you know, is, you know, not just something I tell my patients, but something I practice myself and just, you know, you know, incorporating some meditation into your daily practice, I think, uh, really goes a long way. And I mean, I know you, you, you know, now as, as a business owner, like the, the stresses that, that, you know, come with it. And for me, it was a lot, you know, and, and you, you get into bed and you put your head on the pillow and you realize I got to, I got to call this person. I got to go on Canva and make this thing. And I got to send this email and, and call, you know, and, and, and then you got to be a physical therapist on top of all that. Yeah. And I'm just like staring at the ceiling until like one in the morning. And I'm like, what the hell, man. And, and that was when I, you know, I came across, 
I use, I, I love uh, 10%. That's the app I use mm. and it just helps me turn my brain off and just sleep and relax and, you know, be refreshed in the morning versus like jumping off the walls at one in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And I definitely can relate to that. I was up late too, way too late last night. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I, I do think that what we deliver is different. And mm-hmm. I think mindfulness um, is one space. And that's, that's the reason why we've been able to be more successful and people have come to our space and transformed in a very different way than other fitness spaces have over the past year or any, whatever. Um, I think people normally expect mindfulness to exist in seated positions where you don't move for 30 minutes or in like a yoga class at the very end. And those are what people's minds jump to. And I, as I began to like really get into spin was realizing that I guess, particularly, you know, back when I was teaching children and adults, I was realizing that my brain would kind of come into a completely different state when I was teaching spin. I would only be focused on the exact things that were happening in front of me. And I didn't even have the capacity to think of other things. Sometimes when I was taking classes that looked differently, but I saw the opportunity that this mindfulness space didn't just have to show up in meditation in stillness and whatever static position yeah absolutely exactly and 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 it's kind of like trying to work against that stigma which oh my god it was really tough to work against in the beginning right at the beginning of of covid people wanted stress relievers but they wanted to like hit their body on something hard they wanted to like jump squat really ridiculously and so did i and i injured myself yeah there was there was definitely a like bump in yes i'm I'm still i would not gonna lie i'm i still see it like there was a bump in people coming in to see us who shifted, you know, from one workout to another workout. Yep. And they're like, well, we were doing like hundred burpees and hundred pushups and hundred, you know, jump squats. And my knee just, you know, just gave out on me, you know, or whatever it was. Yep. And, and there was definitely that. And then like, just even like, oh, oh, two weeks ago, we had a, a, a new guy come in who was like, yeah, I started a new workout. Uh, he's like, I used to work out at Vita. And then I, I started doing at home workouts online and, and I was doing burpees and I tweaked my elbow and it's bothered me for this whole year. And now I realize we've been in COVID for a year. My elbow still hurts. So I need to get something done. And so we, you know, came into physical therapy, but yeah, that was the, like the whole mindset back then um, was like, I just need to go and do things. Mm-hmm. And so it was a really hard stigma to work against. And it still is honestly. Always. Um, I think in, the, in that hit, that hit space, I think there's such a focus yeah. on like volume and just yeah. like balls to the wall. Like how hard can you make this? And um, sometimes that's not what people need. No. And it's hard to support people in realizing what they do need. But I think that because, you know, from day one, literally March 16th, so just over a year ago oh now, we celebrated Congratula- over one year. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it, we, we infused it. And by we, I mean, I, it was just me. So <laughs> I infused it. And I think that that was something that people were really responding to. They enjoyed the fact that they could slow their minds down. And since then, you know, a lot of my content and, and conversations with people are talking about the mindfulness piece. Cause you really can get a good workout anywhere. Absolutely. And I, I, what I think of is I remember taking a sports psychology class in, mm-hmm. in school and our professor, you know, he talked about like, you know, he's like, think back to a time, you know, when you were in a sport and everything was working. Like, like, what, you know, like, what were you 
you know, like when you were at the top of your game, like, like, what were you thinking about? And like the answer for everyone was like, you know, like, like nothing, it was nothing. I wasn't thinking about anything. And it was like, you know, how did things feel easy? You know, and just like everything was clicking. Like I just felt so smooth and, and everything was, was, you know, you didn't nothing around you, you were in your own bubble. And so that's what I think of like, when you say like incorporating like that mindfulness component into a spin class, into a hit class. So, yeah. That reminds me of the term flow coined by, I cannot say his name because there's about a hundred letters, but the guy with a C and lots of other letters afterwards. The guy with a C. Crimi, Crimsonthala, I don't know. I'm literally, I'm saying it completely wrong, but. Is he like a philosopher or something? I like in the psych world, psych education world, um, not, I've been reading about it in, in my graduate work, but. Okay. You, you just look it up, um, state of flow. And it's essentially this state of mind where everything is just kind of like coming naturally to you. And mm -hmm. the way that you're moving, you're just so in tune with how your body and your mind show up that like everything feels as if it's one. And that's what I think we're really trying to get at when we, and I don't talk about the, the term flow, so maybe I should, but definitely, um, can't, definitely, definitely can't pronounce this guy's name. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a tough one. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's what we're getting at when we're moving in any part of Sparks classes. And, and what I've really just felt like thrilled about is getting creative with the different kinds of classes. We started with HIT. Second week of COVID, I also brought on like this kind of core class that was Pilates, but not Pilates, bar, but not bar, a little bit more larger muscle group movements that also focuses on core. Um, so like I was, you know, I had three, six, um, I had eight classes on the schedule by week two of COVID, which was crazy and has been awesome. Um, and each one of those classes embedded this idea of, of bringing mindfulness into the space and into your movement. And it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress as there's so much to learn about mindfulness. Yes. Um, and, you know, all of my instructors right now, I'm about to add three on. Um, so there'll be eight of us in all. I was going to say, you, and you brought on, you brought on several instructors. Yeah. Yeah. I, I it's been really energizing to have other people on the team um, because I realized that it, the business and my idea is just so much bigger than me. Um, and it isn't about me. It's about other people's experience and uplifting their just like vigor for what they want to do. Um, so no matter what field you're in now, but hopefully a little bit more for educators soon, just like uplifting your opportunity to bring this release of stress into your daily life. So you can like if there's a stressor that comes at you, you're not just, you're not reacting to it immediately because you're in that high heightened state of fight or flight, but you're actually responding to it and you're able to understand it and see how you can show up for that time and space better for you and for the person or whatever's in front of you. So there you go. What are, what are some cues you might use in a class to kind of help people to get into that state of mind? Yeah, well, we section classes off kind of in three different ways. And so we're playing around with this a little bit of a change now, but in the beginning we have an intention set of different sorts. And so this shows up differently in like a yoga class, obviously than it would in a spin class, but it's inviting people to literally create a phrase in their mind of something they want to do by towards the end of class. And this is not a goal. It's not like I want to burn 500 calories because we're not working towards that. We're working towards mindset shifts, working towards different ways of being and living and, and growing. So 
for example, um, things that I've been personally working on at the beginning of class and trying to remind myself of is um, I want to pay attention to my body. And sometimes I get more specific and say, I want to pay attention to the feeling in my right foot, which is a crazy thing to think about. But you know, my mind will wander during the workout. So I'm not going to be able to do it every single time, but every time um, the instructor or myself is cueing you back into, hey, what's your intention? Hey, what are you looking to show up for? You're thinking, hey, right foot. Oh, right foot. And now you're learning more about your right foot than you've probably ever learned about it before. Right. There you go. <laughs> now you're just that much more aware of your right foot. Yeah. Um, and then, so there's that initial section, there's like the workout in the middle. And then at the end, the difference is that we always do a brief guided meditation. So maximum like six minutes, minimum like two minutes, going through some sort of breathing, releasing, calming of the mind. And, you know, I let instructors kind of take that on themselves and, you know, based off of what you feel, what the clientele feels and just leading everyone through something that feels like a full package. There you go. Full thing. What the full thing? The full thing. Um, the uh, so cycle bar. Now this, I've been to a few cycle bar classes, and yeah. it you know with the leaderboard, it gets tends to get competitive. You know, you're you're, yep. you're trying to get the top of the leaderboard, right? And and you know, I feel like I haven't taken any classes yet, but it sounds like it's it's a lot more of a focus on the holistic side of things, where it's less about you against the other person and more of us together. Is that right? Yeah, which is kind of a strange thing when we're using technology to do that. And when we're not even physically together, um, cause we're doing it over zoom. Uh, so it's been, it's been really interesting to invite people to do this in their own spaces because, you know, as we're working and living and eating and breathing and resting and sleeping and working out all in the same space, how do you start to compartmentalize that? How do you start to like really, um, create boundaries in your space? And I think that this is one way that people have started to really show up a little bit more for that, uh, boundary creation in their lives, which is awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it's also just strange because I'm an incredibly competitive person too, Mike, like a really competitive person. So the leaderboard was a really exciting thing for me, right. but I, oh, I realized, yeah, it, and, but I was never a flywheel person. Cause like the flywheel board, they're always up. And then soul cycle, it was like, that's a whole other thing. Complete 180, totally 180. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess like, it, it's like, how do you marry these things together? How right. do you give people that like intensity, but also give them the opportunity to feel like their best version, not because I'm preaching to you, like you're amazing. You are enough. I'll say that too, sure. but because you actually can create that on your own. Like, I don't want you to have to be addicted to me. I want you to be addicted to the feelings that you can create independently. Amen. You're not, yeah. you're, you're Obi-Wan. They're Luke Skywalker. There you go. That's, that's I'm, the reference I use with a lot of my patients. Cause I don't want to be the fixer. I don't want to fix yeah. you. Like I hate that when people come in, they're like, Mike, fix me. No, I'm not fixing you. You're going to, yeah. you know, I'll help give you the tools, but then yeah. you go with, you know, with those tools and you take care of whatever issue it might be, whether it's physical or mental and, yeah. and you take care of your problems. I like to tell people, which is a work in progress to see if everyone gets what I mean, but I like to say I help people own their stress because we're not going to fully relieve your stress. We're not going to get rid of the stressors, mm -hmm. but I'm going to help you figure out how to 
you know, move with your stress, understand your stress, and then like slowly release it and relieve like it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's exciting. I, I, I like that. And I, I see similarities with, you know, people who come in in pain. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, when it comes to pain, it's a, it's a very, I think we're just learning the tip of the iceberg when it comes to why we hurt. And I think, you know, saying, help you own your pain. Cause I think a lot of people come in and they focus on their pain. Like my elbow hurts, my elbow hurts right here, right here, right here. And they point to their elbow and, and I'm like, well, well, what do you want to get out of and get out of this? And it's like, I want my elbow to stop hurting. Like, but mm. what else? Cause if you're always just looking at your elbow and wondering when it's going to stop hurting, it's never going to stop hurting. Yeah. And, and, you know, how can we, you know, control that pain and focus on functionality? How can we focus on you being able to carry groceries or shake someone's hand or pick up your kid uh, with, without, you know, having the pain that's the focus versus just you staring at your elbow and hoping your elbow stops hurting. Cause that's what happens. You know, it's it, it, not with everybody, but people come in and they say, Hey, like, you know, it's like the number one goal. I was like, Oh, I want to get my back to stop hurting. Okay. Well, if your back stopped hurting, what would it enable you to do? And it's like, well, I'd get to do CrossFit. Oh, you do CrossFit or I do spin class or whatever it is. And I'm like, well, how, you know, how long do you get to how long have you been doing spin class? Well, I've been doing spin class for five years. I got into it with my boyfriend and now I want to keep doing it with my boyfriend. And then it's like, then you like get into like the, uh, the layers, mm. go back those onions. And that's where it becomes something bigger. Yeah. I feel like people often, um, look for the thing. I'm not sure if I have a better way of describing it, but like the thing that they want support with or help on or thing that they need to fix. And it kind of is this object that people have, but in reality, we're working towards shifting people's mindsets, right? Mm -hmm. Like a mindset of, of, of knowing that you can handle something or a mindset of like being able to handle what's in front of you or mindsets of all different sorts. And so, um, it was interesting because I told, I said before that, um, I've gotten injured. I've gotten injured a few times. I tore my ACL back in high school. I was playing basketball. That, that was just like a, a problem. I fixed the problem, the thing. Mm-hmm. And then when I went into full-time fitness, I got injured again and was really like, it broke me. Mm-hmm. It broke me. Cause I said, all of a sudden I stopped teaching I'm in full-time fitness. What the fuck am I going to do if I can't do this? Like, I literally can't make money. What will mm-hmm. I do? And it was my physical therapist who, who reminded me that it's not a thing to fix, but that first of all, everything's connected mm-hmm. and it's not just physically parts of my body, but it's also my mind that's connected. And she helped me realize that it, it needed to be more of a, of a mental shift. So who, who is um, your physical therapist? Nora Arnold. Um, she's at... Oh my God, Washington. I don't know what their title is. She's the bomb. I, I'll I'll make sure you guys can get connected. Nora, but... Nora Arnold. All right. Yeah. Shout out Nora Arnold. Yeah. She's a pelvic floor expert now. Oh, so that's where okay. she's moving. And so I'm a big pelvic floor health person as well now. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I think I, I had uh Carrie Pagliano, who's a pelvic floor therapist on mm-hmm. here earlier. And I mean, I think it's a, it's a whole whole that's a whole topic for another day that I think doesn't get enough attention that is slowly starting to get more attention now which I think is great yeah I agree I agree because everything's connected just just like we, we've been talking about and ah uh, it's it's just it's insane to me how long I lived not realizing how much like my thoughts and the way I thought 
made a difference, not just like in the way I interact with people, but how my body. Yep. hundred percent. There's, um, there's this great video on, it's a Ted talk from this Australian pain scientist, Lorimer Mosley, who I, I send this video to almost all of my patients and it's, it's, it's called why things hurt. And it basically goes through like, you know, pain is like, not just like, oh, I twisted my, stepped off the curb and twisted my ankle. All these other things go into why we hurt. And that it's our brain that ultimately like decides whether things hurt or not. And it's like, mm -hmm. takes into account the stress, our personal family, cultural beliefs about pain. Was there actually a biomechanical issue that happened? Uh, stress, nutrition, uh, previous injuries, all those things go into it. And then it's like, all right pain. And so it's like, everything is connected in so much more, uh, ways than we originally thought for sure. Mm. Yeah. I I'd love to, I'd love to watch that. I'm all right. a big I'll, fan I'll, of Ted talks. I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll send it. It's a short one. It's only 15 minutes. Um, so, so now you're, you're a year into this, yeah. you're a year into this, you're now moving out of DC, moved out of DC. Mm -hmm. So now you're in Chicago. Mm-hmm but you're back here in DC as we are recording this. Yes. Mm -hmm. Just temporarily. What's, what's the plan for, for spark now? Yeah. So right now we've been serving any individual that wants to kind of pop into classes, which is mostly DMV area. Um, and as I've been speaking a little bit about the education sector um, right now, we are shifting to serve almost completely the education space. So what I'm really thinking about is systems level change and how do we support the system of education to include well-being, to let go of this idea of burnout or that the burden of wellness needs to be put on the individual teacher and instead shift leaders, districts, schools, teacher training programs to really emphasize this idea of well-being because, I mean, it's just, it's staggering the numbers, but every time an urban teacher leaves, it costs the school $20,000 on average to replace them. Ooh. 20. And that number, being able to put it into students would be absolutely transformational. Not just like actually supporting the students, but having educators that are just gaining knowledge and experience every single year. And the thing that's stopping all this, the thing that's stopping the opportunity gap from improving, the achievement gap, whatever you want to call it, in my opinion, is wellness. Because if we can't be well, if we can't sustain doing the things that we actually, you know, are really passionate about, then mm -hmm. what are we even doing the rest of the stuff for? We cannot move the nozzle if we're not staying doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there's this, the, the, the element of burnout is, is such a, yeah. a huge thing that, that in, in, you know, I know in the, in the education world that like, mm -hmm. you know, you, you just don't, you know, you're dealing with, you know, a class full of, of kids every day. It, it just, you know, and you don't have the resources and, and you're, you're kind of like you're on an island almost, right? You know, like you're, you're there by yourself and it's like, you know, there's, there's 20 crazy, I mean, look, teenagers scare the hell out of me. All right. So <laughs> God bless you. I don't, I'm not sure what, what group, what age group you were working with, but I'll tell you anything from like, I mean, honestly, all kids, who am I kidding? Five up to 18, they all terrify me. Um, but you know, like, and, and then you're there by yourself and it's like, all right, have Adam. I mean, I think people who go into the profession, you know what you're getting into. are excited. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. getting into, but you or also you. don't, you know, I, there's, there's this interesting conversation of, of whether it's a 
a burnout problem or if it's a demoralization problem. And one of my old professors from Bowdoin is one of the like leading researchers um, and conversationalists, I guess, on this topic. Interesting. Um, yeah, so she she's kind of researching this idea that it's not it's not that you don't have the capacity to actually do the work. Mm -hmm. It's that the things that you came into at the education space with the, th the expectations, the thoughts of the way that you, it would go and the way you think the school would show up for you just don't match, which make a lot of sense. Yeah. I do think though, I mean, I don't have, I haven't done the research on this. I just know from experience and from like reading research, I think it's both like personally, I could not show up for another year. I could not do that. My body did not have it in there for me. And, you know, like I, I was incredibly just like energized by my peers that were able to, but watching what they were able to do on a daily basis and mm -hmm. how many hours that they showed up for their kids and their work, I just knew I couldn't do that anymore. Like I needed to say yes and go to dinner on Thursday sometimes. I, you, I just had to do it. <laughs> and then you could, and then you saw when you started doing your own thing, the, 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 the difference in, in energy and excitement and you're like, oh shit, this, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it. really beautiful. It's been really beautiful. And, you know, like right now we're in the stage of testing some pilots and having some initial partnerships with um, different schools and teacher training programs. And then also hopefully bridging out to a full district slash state, which I'm really excited about. Um, and it's energizing to see the need because every time I've showed up to a conversation to pitch this, every person's like, wow, I've never seen this before. I don't, I, I don't think that anyone has like all these different unique spaces that they're doing um, to, they have that they're supporting teachers with, like, let's talk more, let's figure this out. So it's cool. It's been really cool. And I think, you know, the exciting part is to be able to do this work alongside other people, including my instructors, but also the people who've been showing up for me for the past year. Um, because I get to continue to show up for them and I don't have to, like, we don't have to say goodbye, even though things are opening back up, even though we're shifting right. markets. So do you think you'll ever teach in person again? <laughs> I should say, um, I should, let me, let me clarify that. Well, it's yeah. a smart question. One, do you think you'll ever teach in a classroom again? And oh. two, do you think you'll <laughs> ever teach, um, a workout class in person again? Um, well, I'm going to on Sunday because I'm doing one in-person class for my community here in, in the DC oh, area. So well, yeah, you so you're welcome to come to that. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Unfortunately, this comes out next Wednesday. So uh -huh, we'll, I figured we'll be, we'll be a little late to the show on that one. Damn it. But that's um, okay. They can check pictures out then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so no, I do not think I'm going to go back to teach students because that's just not where I see my skills best used. Mm -hmm. um, I do see that I will come back into a classroom to maybe help coach teachers or help coach school leaders, or at least, um, you know, something that I've been developing um, is a professional development program for teachers and mostly school leaders so that it can have that trickle down effect versus just teachers struggling themselves again. Um, and so I'll, I'll be in, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll be in the classroom in that capacity to support people and kind of transitioning this work. Um, not to support students, but to support themselves, which is a yeah. huge difference in the market. There are so many things out there for just students because mm -hmm. that's how we've been focused. There you go. Um, 
And then, yeah, I think once we, we end up kind of settling down, um, we, as in my partner and I, uh, there'll probably be some sort of brick and mortar, um, space, but the cool thing about this year is that we now realize you don't have to be in the same location to do the same work. There you go. Like Chicago or DC or somewhere else. Yeah. Don't know. Oh, okay. So I, was, we'll I, was keep you. To, I was trying to get I was trying to get an answer. I get some breaking news out of you there. <laughs> Just, I could scoop you, but I guess not. I'll keep everyone on their toes and All myself right. included. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So we're getting down to the end of it here. I got a few more questions for you. Uh, what's the what's the last book you read? The last book. And this is a full or, book. Or the book you're reading now. If you're reading a book now. Um, I read so. too many books for school. So that's part of my issue. Um one of them is Disciplined Entrepreneurship, which is a really good book if you're thinking okay. about entrepreneurship. There you um, go. It's very like step-by-step. Step. Um, I also did, am late to, th- oh, go ahead. Does it, did you read the E-Myth? No. Oh, you should definitely read the E-Myth. Ooh, okay. The Myth of the Entrepreneur. Definitely I like that. that. That's a good okay. one. Okay. That, that sounds like what I used to believe about a year ago. The, yeah, it was basically myths. like, yeah, like the, the idea is like, oh, you're, you know, you're born with the entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. But the book is like, no, actually it's something that's within everyone, but it just needs to be like brought out, I guess, basically. Yes. Yes. I love that. You can learn anything as well. That's I like the, the, I think that's like the quintessential, I don't know, in my opinion, the quintessential like entrepreneur book is the e-myth. Hmm. All right. Well, I've been so enthralled in the doing that sometimes the, the researching doesn't always come for me. So anyways. yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, what's the, uh, how about What's the last TV show you watched? Um, I am afraid to admit that I've been watching a lot of high school dramas. That's what Netflix Ooh. keeps suggesting for me. But um, I'll be a little bit more proud of myself and say that uh, I finished Firefly Lane. And I thought that was fantastic. So. Oh, I just had someone else was just talking about that a couple weeks ago. They said it was very good. I had never heard of it. But. It's definitely more of like a girl show. But um, I highly recommend just because it's about friendship and all the, all the all right, lovely cool. in-betweens. For those listening at home, I did finish uh, Real Housewives of Potomac. I've been talking about that for the last several weeks, but Megan and I just polished it off. So now we've, we've moved on. I don't, we don't have a show. Oh, we just started watching Your Honor on Showtime with Brian Cranston. Ooh. And we're two episodes in. It's pretty good so far, Ooh. but kind of like a little bit of a heavier watch. So mm-hmm. a little different than Real Housewives of Potomac. <laughs> those are very opposite, completely opposite. <laughs> Sometimes you got to swing the pendulum to the other side. Um, all right. So you're back in DC right now for what, the next week or so, and then back to Chicago or a couple of days here? Yeah, about what, a week and a half. The question I usually pose is like, what's one experience that you think everyone in DC should have? But I'm going to turn it around here a little bit and say, you're here in DC for the week. What's one thing that you got to do? One place you got to go, one thing you got to do. What's one thing you got to get done while you're here? Okay, so everyone thinks that because I am in fitness and wellness that I am the picture of health. And so here's where I'm going to throw it off for everyone. Here we go. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe some people knew this about me before. I love cookies. Like I'm ah. obsessed with cookies. And one of the first things I had to check off my list was going to Union Kitchen and having their blind dog cookie because it is the bomb. Blind so. dog, you called it, was it? blind dog cookie it's a chocolate chip cookie that you will just want to mindfully eat for like 
30 minutes. So good. Or not just eat it all in like two bites. I've been trying to not do that because that has, that has been the past and then you need more. So I did. So like mindful eating is something that I was, you know, dipping my toes in Uh, a little bit recently. And, um, I tried it with that cookie and it was, I don't know, like fireworks. It was much better, that much better for you. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Uh, the, the question has also delved into what do you think is the best burger in DC? Also, do you have a, do you have a take for us? I feel like, um, my takes might be a little old here, so I'm going to give you some, some throwbacks. We'll say I was a big fan of the drafting table and no, it's table. closed. Yeah. I pay the drafting table. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was just like that solid staple. So it was one of the first places I went when I moved here and closed, Uh, I think about a year ago now. So I I'm old, I'm old to the game here. If we, if we say a a little bit, it's pandemic life is a whole other kind of life. So. All right. Pre pre COVID, (laughs) this is pre COVID. This was your favorite burger in DC. Fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, All right. Uh, Gabby, thanks for coming on the show. Um, if people want to connect with you, if they want to take a class, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, we are on Instagram at spark by Gabby, G A B B Y. I should probably say that more often. Um, yeah, we're, um, on Instagram and then also spark by Gabby.com and all of our class details are on there. Hit spin low impact, which was created for my mom and her friends, but also now is more people. Um, we got like core and cardio core and more lots of different fun stuff. Um, yoga. And, and, and one thing I know we, we had a real big focus on teachers, but this is for anyone, right? You don't have yes. to be a teacher. You don't have to be a teacher to take these classes also. Correct. Yep. We are serving anyone who wants to walk in the door, anyone who wants to shift their, that mindset to really incorporate that full mind body health. So there you go. Gotcha. All right. Gabby, thanks for coming on the show. Yes. Thank you so much, Mike. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to BigLeaguePerformanceAndRehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.